This podcast is brought to you by AliExpress. Use the offer code on screen and click those links in the description to get to their new sale and save big on orders over a hundred dollars. And it is also brought to you by CDKeyOffer.com. Use offer code Broken Silicon to save twenty five percent on Microsoft software and DieShrink to save three percent on everything else on the website. And we'll talk about these sponsors more later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom. And today, as I am pretty much always on a news episode, well, let's just say always on a news episode, joined by my co-host, Dan, except for maybe that one time it didn't happen. I was going to say, but I think this was, I again, my memory could be off, but, my, but I thought this was, I want to say it was like mid-2021 or something where like you had a thing where you couldn't you didn't have a lot of time to do it, but you were still like in the first 40 minutes of the episode, but not the entire one. I think that's like the one time you missed a news episode. Yes. There, there was, was only the half one of weird it. time. <laughs> Which, so we can just say you're always here. They, nope. The exception is the only thing that matters. Except, well, I mean, if you look at people in the comments, that seems to be what a lot of people think about a lot <laughs> of recent news stories. But how are you doing, Dan? I'm pretty good. How are you doing, Tom? You know, I... I it's I had a fun weekend. A friend visited. Um, we saw Ryan Hamilton. Cannot recommend seeing him enough. Although I will say, if you look him up, he has a special on Netflix called Happy Face, and very highly rated. Very funny. I, I remember it. Uh, he he definitely is a new vibe right now. Although as he explains uh, when we saw him live. It's because he was hit by a bus, so maybe his outlook on some things has changed a little bit. Um, uh, just off the top of my head, one of my favorite jokes I heard him say was, uh, he got up after being hit by a bus, and he said, people no. did not like that. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, stop being a zombie. Lay down, you idiot. You're scaring the children. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I guess that would be a pretty shocking thing to see someone just stand up after getting hit by a bus. I don't yes. know. You but expect it, uh, you expect there's some type of spinal injury or something, but hey, it's good he can still walk, I guess. But, you know, and then I, I leaned over to my friend, our friend, actually, Jeremy, and I said, yeah, people acted like that when I was in a motorcycle accident. Like, I was thrown headfirst in con- into concrete at like 40 miles an hour, but I had is fully decked out and like every everything to protect yourself besides those like inflatable bags that pop up around you. Like I had the helmets, Kevlar, you know, stuff like padding around my spine and everything. And so then I just stood up after being there. And then there were several people that were just like, Oh my God. And I'm like, I'm fine. And everyone was like, what? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I went to a meeting later that day. Meanwhile, if you'll remember this event, Tom, one time I was hit by a, car that's right. not very fast it was only going like probably probably five miles per hour so it mm-hmm. wasn't like super significant but uh one time while i was on a bike they bike like a bicycle not a motorbike a car hit me they said are you okay i said yes and they sped off 
<laughs> to contrast the two situations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the person that caused me to crash on the motorcycle did speed off for the record, oh, that's but good. other that's people good. helped me, including one nice person that I don't, I, I don't even know if I got his name, but like helped me put the motorcycle in his van, drive, drove me back to my apartment and made sure I was fine. So there, there are good Samaritans out there. Seems often not the people that hit you because they don't want to take responsibility though, for being entirely honest here. Yes, that is the lesson I learned. If you are ever hit by a car, listeners, don't tell them you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and I guess what I'm all getting to here is after, you know, Ryan Hamilton, me, you, people get hit by stuff and live. Like, surprisingly, an astounding amount of time. You'd be surprised. But it's both surprising how little something can just kill a person, but also how much we can randomly take if it's at the right angle. Oh yeah. I mean, I know like I was, I was hit straight on in the ankle by a car. Sure. It was going slow, but I had zero injuries. Really. I think I got a bruise on my ankle. My foot was numb for about an hour. So I thought it might be broken, but nope, (laughs) I was fine. Well, I suppose on that note though, we should get to the first story here since we don't have any corrections for today. Uh, with a story that is about graphics cards getting hit by a bus with story number one, Alan Wake 2 cuts off official support for older GPUs, kinda. All right, now here is the write-up. Well, Alan Wake 2 is out and to very positive reviews. However, it is out to a bit of controversy, namely demanding a user's GPU support mesh shaders for optimized performance. Now that wording I just used, optimize mesh shaders for optimized performance, It might sound odd and specific, but it is for very good reason. You see, the game was built to utilize mesh shaders. And while the devs say they technically require it, as demonstrated by Hardware Unboxed, the 5700 XT and Titan Pascal can certainly boot and technically run the game. But this is where things get interesting. The 2060 Super, a car that usually lost to the 5700 non-XT in raster, actually beats the 5700 XT by a whopping 20 to 40%, depending on the scene and resolution. However, also interesting, the 5700 XT beats Titan X Pascal, something that traditionally would have been a solid, I don't know, 20% stronger at least, by an insane 50 to 80%, demonstrating that the 5700 XT with its primitive shaders does actually age far better than older architectures besides Turing. Indeed, Turing does run the game much better than RDNA 1, relatively speaking, but it is also notable that the 5700 XT equivalent cards do struggle to run this game fairly well. So with the 5700 XT at low settings, which both Hardware Unboxed and Digital Foundry said, low settings looks good on Alan Wake 2, though. Like, mm-hmm. it looks like high settings on I most mean, it's games. a new game <laughs> from that has good graphics, so that's not really that big of a surprise. No, I, I guess not. But, you know, with low settings, the 5700 XT, I don't know, it depends what F, if you use FSR or not or exactly what scene, but it typically runs at 30 to 45 frames per second. And so, yeah, I mean, the 2060 Super runs it better, but it's still struggling to even hold an average of 50 frames per second usually, which Ardor and Box argued, and I would agree that any argument that Turing is now proven to be a good purchase for future proofing is a dubious claim still, because it's still like all of these cards, besides probably the 2080 Ti, are still pretty much struggling to run this game well. So the argument being, it's kind of an oddity. It's interesting to see the 5700 XT aged much better than Pascal, but not as well as Turing. But really, all of these cards aren't an ideal experience. 
Um, meanwhile, it is also incredibly interesting to note that while some outlets are comparing the 3080 to the PS5, which I thought was weird that they used the 3080 at Digital Foundry, but the latter uses a more custom art geometry engine than the Xbox Series X, the PS5 does, with its own benefits and drawbacks. It's even unarguably a worse situation for the PS5 design. I'm sorry, let me back up. This is basically a worst case scenario for the PlayStation 5, you would argue, because it doesn't have direct mesh shader support in the way like the Series X does or RDNA 2 does, but that's because it has its own custom geometry engine with clearly far superior than normal primitive shaders and something else going on. And it's interesting to note that although people claim the PS5 doesn't support mesh shaders and is therefore behind, it seems to outperform the 3060 in this game, relatively speaking. Like, if you compare... Like the 3080 is usually over double the performance of a 3060, and I have mm-hmm. a, a graph we'll put on screen for that. The PS5 is not half the performance of the 3080, suggesting that whatever Sony did with the geometry engine seems to work. And although the Xbox Series X outperforms the PS5 here, it really should. This is like an ideal situation for the Xbox Series X architecture. You know, it's a somewhat linear game with heavy ray tracing, mesh shaders. These are all the things I've always heard that... Xbox Series X should probably do a little better than the PS5, but oddly enough, it only seems to perform slightly better. So there you go. In all honesty, the only remaining thing to say about this game is that if we're being honest, the three-year-old consoles are both still running the game pretty well relative to last-gen hardware, given their age, and it is this writer's opinion that the game isn't unoptimized at all. It's just actually hard to run because it has crazy graphical effects. So I did think we had to discuss this as a main story, both because I thought there's really interesting hardware comparisons, but also this is probably the start of a new trend of stuff pre-Turing, not really being, just being old architectures, not really mm-hmm. meant to handle the next gen of rendering, is what I'd put it. I mean, the good news is, though, I would say if you have like a... a pre- rdna one or earlier card or a pre-touring card you might want to look into upgrading pretty soon i mean it's relatively old hardware and i mean i guess it's good that this game even though it doesn't officially support it it still seems to work on that older gen hardware albeit not that great but you know it's good that it still works and uh i think it would have been better i think it would have been the announcement would have been met with a little bit less derision if it were more clear how what it means by it doesn't support it. Like the performance Mm -hmm. for raster doesn't really hold up to where you think it would based on how it typically performs in other games. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of just an outlier outlier game for older hardware. Uh, um, No, I mean, in performance, it's an outlier game. And yeah, I'm sure that's going to start being the case more and more often now that primitive shaders or pre-mesh shaders aren't going to be supported in more and more games as time goes on. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're on a 5700 XT, I don't know. I think there's a lot of decent cards out right now. I would, I'm looking to getting one. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, look, we're talking about something, the 5700 XT, that's four years old, over four years old. And yeah. it's really comparable in performance to the latest, like, $200 cards, or the cards currently selling for $200. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a ton better features for running this you know so i don't know it's there there's been time a lot of opportunities to upgrade here i think hardware and box pointed out that during the mining boom of like 2021 or something you could apparently have sold a 5700 xt used for almost the price of a 6700 xt and that would have been a perfect scenario to swap to the newer <laughs> thing but 
Let me see here. Deadeyes117 writes in and says, seems like most games tend to run very similarly between the PS5 and the Series X, often even favoring the PS5 lately. However, early coverage is showing Alan Wake 2 to run better on the Series X than the PS5. Initially, I saw these headlines, and I was thinking this must finally be Microsoft's inclusion of mesh shaders paying off. When I look back at it, Digital Foundry found that running unlocked frame rates in the photo mode showed the Series X to average about 16% better performance. So that's not giant. Maybe the Northlight engine is just generally favorable to the Xbox hardware more than in other games. What is your take, and why do you think PS5 seems to handle a lack of mess shaders so well relative to PC components like the 5700XE seems not to? Well, it's because the PS5 has a custom architecture and geometry engine, which this this completely disproves the notion that the PS5 is using rdna 1.5 it's pretty much performing in a worst case scenario like rdna 2 should like that's what we're seeing here and the way sony designed this is again this is what devs tell me this isn't like this is just what they told me is it seems to handle geometry in a really streamlined and really quick way that is easier to program and sony came to the conclusion the fact that you had to specifically program mesh shaders meant that it wasn't the direction to go in, in their opinion, that they wanted to take some of the whatever you other ways you could do it. I've had a lot of people suggest to me there's some enhancements in there that's in RDNA 3 or later or whatever. And they said, well, let's just take those enhancements and skip mesh shaders and make it something mm-hmm. that gets similar performance, but you don't have to program for it. That's my understanding. And I feel like Alan Wake 2 proves that has to be going on. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's just if you look at the the uh, raw compute performance of the two consoles. It looks like in this specific game, the the Series X outperforms the PS5 about as much as you'd expect. And they've optimized. Yeah, it's almost just, is it almost linear with Teraflops? Let me look at that. I think if I'm remembering correctly, the Series X is, has 20% higher compute. It has 16.5% higher Teraflops. This is literally yeah. linear with Teraflops showing that the PlayStation 5 does not have a mesh shader disadvantage. This is just a perfect case scenario where teraflops are better leveraged, where the Xbox's segmented memory isn't as much of an issue because it's not a big open world game, and this is the scenario where it performs exactly that much better. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I looking at uh, the what Digital Foundry showed, I mean, to me, it just looks like this is a pretty well-made game with... Uh, pretty good implementation of upscaling i mean it looks great on everything i think it looks good in performance mode even if it's using the a a Mm -hmm. low input resolution i don't know it still looks good it looks basically identical on both consoles even if during gameplay you're going to get more frame rate dips on the ps5 which you know i don't love but that's why if I get it, I'll probably get it for PC. <laughs> this seems like a game. Get it for PC, though, which Digital yeah. Foundry said the same thing. This is this is a PC showcase game. This is the game where get it on PC, not console. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a showcase game in general. I, I, I do think it's showcases how well the consoles are aging, too, though, get, just given how good the game looks on both of them. Although it is not ideal that uh, they're using like a sub 1440p input mm. resolution for the quality I agree. mode. It would be better if it was like 1440p upscaled to 4K or 4K native, but the neither console is at the power that they can do that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and it is interesting because if I look at, let me, 
Actually, you know, one interesting thing to note is there seems to be a bizarre thing where they make you look at the splash screen on the PlayStation 5, but not on the Xbox. I just thought I'd throw that out there. That's weird to me. Um, But outside... But outside of that, it's like when I saw the low input resolution, I was a little surprised because I do think the game looks serviceable on the consoles. And, you know, I when I see this image quality, all I can do is go, look, I mean, compared to RDNA 1 or Turing at the time, the 2060 Super is like really struggling to run this game well. The PS5 clearly gets you performance almost to a 3060 Ti, whereas the Series mm-hmm. X gets you... Probably just below a 3070s performance for the price of, well, an entire 3070 is what the Series X cost. <laughs> so when people think this is bad, it's like, eh, these are $500 consoles that are three years old. This is this is what you should start to expect. What this shows is, guys, we're halfway through the console generation. We have way stronger PC hardware now. And now is where it's going to finally be obvious that PCs are stronger. We're finally getting there. Yeah, and that always happens mid console gen. There's the there's the reversal of uh, like there's a reversal of performance where like in price performance where it starts out at early in a console gen, the consoles look really really appealing, and now uh, given their price, and now we're getting closer to the inflection point because well, PC hardware is just really outweighing uh, the cons <laughs> what the consoles have. And then in the next few years, there's probably going to be an increase in interest in uh, b- building new PCs as people on console are going to be starting to get tired of their compared to PC crappy console performance. Although I, th- I, I don't think I don't think the PS5 or Series X are going to age poorly. We'll we'll see though. I, I don't think so either. I guess it's all relative though. Like, how do we think? What do we think aging poorly means? Because I feel like if you go to the PS4, Xbox One generation, it's a different situation compared to now, of course. Like, I think the PS4 was a 1080p 30 console, sometimes 900p to 1080p 60. I mean, it's basically still that, you know, (laughs) like a 1080p 30 console. It's pretty much still that. The Xbox One was a 720p 30 or (laughs) 900p 30, you might say, console. And it's that one's aging a bit worse. I mean, it's kind of turning into a 640p 30 console. but. I don't know. I I think these consoles launched as between 1080p and 4K dynamic res 60 hertz consoles, and they're kind of still there with the occasional game popping up now with the lower input resolution. But, you know, it, what what's better? I mean, like if I look right now, the Series X renewed on Amazon is below 450 The seri- or a new one is 490 I mean, even now comparing the Series X to... I mean, what would be the compare? I guess you would compare it to a 7800 XT. That's one graphics card versus mm-hmm. a whole console. And, you know, you're, you're looking at something that's probably 80% stronger, but it's just the graphics card. I don't know that the consoles look that bad now, although I guess it does beg the question, should they do price drops eventually? Because I don't really well, expect them to. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying this is the point in the gen where it starts reversing as like... It's not as much of a killer it. deal. It does not to say yeah. it's a bad deal. But I, I do also think that 2020, the year the consoles came out, was kind of the point where 1080p was really saturated as a resolution. And if these continue to be, they told they set advertised them more as 4K consoles, but mm. that always felt a bit dubious. If these remain 1080p to 1440p consoles, eh, I, I think that's keeping in line with their hardware. Like 2020 is when 
PC hardware really, I think, got saturated at 1080p. And they chose, and they both chose GPU options that were certainly not low end uh, at the time. Mm hmm. Um, I guess the final thing I could think of to bring up regarding this story before we move on is just, I mean, it, so it, it, is it a good idea now that you see this, you think, for there to be mid console refresh, mid gen refreshes from these people? Because I'm not, I'm not sure if there will be an xbox one i know they both designed mid console mid-gen refreshes it seems likely playstation is something coming two to three times stronger like do you think that i think me and you haven't really wanted mid-gen refreshes do you think this makes you feel like it's a little more warranted i mean not really it's still running it's still running the newest best looking game at a i believe above 1080p in the quality mode uh obviously it would be better if that were that quality mode were 60 FPS instead of 30, but you know, mm -hmm. that's what we have. Yeah. And I'm just looking at the performance on PC because we've mostly talked about console here and console relative to PC, but I'm not really seeing any performance that seems out of line with everything. All these graphics cards pretty much, you know, plus minus 10% seem to be, I'm looking on tech power up here in the order you'd kind of expect them to be. Um, you know, in ray tracing, Lovelace wins a bit more than you might expect. But I mean, it has, it's a, you know, NVIDIA is better at ray tracing now. So I can't really say it's that unexpected here. And it's interesting in 4K with ray tracing turned on. Yeah. You'll definitely want to use DLSS. I guess that's the other thing too is I did read that DLSS 3.5, a few, a few outlets reported that it does not seem really done. Like it over sharpens yeah. things and it's, it's really not perfect. And if this is the DLSS 3.5 showcase game besides cyberpunk, it still feels like it's going to be another half a year to a year before 3.5 is this thing. NVIDIA can say is clearly better than three was, although, I mean, I'm sure they'll get there. They always seem to lately. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, it, I don't know, but it is funny looking at this game's performance that just, and this is kind of the performance you would get out of like the newest game that leveraged hardware the most is remember when games came out and you just couldn't max out a game on any graphics card really. And eh, that's kind of where we're at with this game. Like it, you can max it at, max it out in 1080p with ray tracing on the 7900 XTX and you're not getting a hundred FPS on it. And no. I, you know, that's uh, that's what the most demanding games used to do, and I, I, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, eh, that that game will age into newer graphics cards, and it will be a big benchmarking thing when, and it will be really impressive that when the first card can play it at 120 FPS or something. Well, just remember, if you have you know a 4070 Ti or something, you can turn on DLSS balanced, you can turn things from ultra to high settings, and you can probably still get it above 100 hertz at high resolutions. It's just, if you want to go for eye candy, this is a game that actually allows you to do something that makes better eye candy with the performance. And it's not like it's a super fast-paced game, so if there was a game to push it, this would be one of them where I'd, if I was in the you know decision room, I'd go, yeah, it would make sense. I think a lot of people won't mind playing this at 60 frames. Oh yeah, 60 frames per sec. I mean, if it, the gameplay is anything like the first Alan Wake, it's, I, this isn't a game that necessitates 120 FPS. Mm -hmm. um, all right, 
Well, let us then move on to story number two. Apple M3 SoCs unveiled. Quoting here from Anantech with a little bit of modifications to it by me. Capping off a busy month of new processor announcements, Apple this week has announced a new generation of M-series Apple Silicon, and with it, a newly refreshed generation of MacBook Pros. Anchored by the new M3 series of processors, Apple has opted to launch most of the stack in a single go, announcing products based on the vanilla M3 and the more powerful M3 Pro and Mac SoCs at the same time. With their latest generation of high-performance silicon for Macs and undoubtedly probably high-end iPads, Apple is seemingly taking full advantage of the density and power improvements offered by TSMC's N3B process. But at the same time, they are also changing how their SoCs are configured. The M3 Pro in particular is a significant departure from its predecessor. So although the M3 chips do not in and of themselves rise to the level of groundbreaking, there are some important changes here that we'll be taking a look at. In summary, the M3 Max, the strongest monolithic chip out of these three launching, has 12 big, four little cores, and 40 GPU cores, and supports up to 128 gigabytes of memory and five displays. The M3 Pro has six big, six little cores, 18-core GPU, supports 36 gigabytes of memory at most, and has three display outputs. And then the M3 Basic has four big, four little cores, 10-core GPU, and supports 24 gigabytes of memory and two displays. They have 92, 37, and 25 billion transistors, respectively. And Apple is also starting smaller in terms of volume. The company is using these new chips for updates to the MacBook Pro lineup and on iMac, some of the company's most expensive and widely thought to be lower volume products. This is in contrast to starting with a MacBook Air and other cheaper alternatives with high volume, which consume a much larger volume from the entry-level chips. So, yeah, I mean, it. it well, I'll get to that in a second, but just to round out this write-up, the performance is a mixed bag and impressiveness, though. Early numbers put the M3 Max close to an M2 Ultra, which is impressive because remember, the M2 Ultra was two of their strongest chips put together. So that's quite an improvement in performance. And the M3 Ultra will certainly be a complete beast. But then the M3 Pro on paper could be viewed as inferior to the M2 Pro. I mean, I'm sure it won't be or they wouldn't have mm-hmm. called it that. But it is notable that it has a 12-core CPU, 6-big and 6-little, whereas the M2 Pro had 8-big and 4-little, and the memory bandwidth of the M2 Pro and M1 Pro is rated up to 200 gigabytes per second, whereas this one only has up to 150 gigabytes per second. So I guess we'll see how this turns out in on paper, but I wouldn't accept a massive increase in performance over the old Pro. And then the M3 seems mostly like an updated version of the M2. It's 25% more transistors, same core counts to my memory, and... Of course, now supports mesh shaders and ray tracing as well. But otherwise, the specs seem fairly similar. And I also link, uh, I believe, in the description to a TechSpot article that noted how it's kind of crazy a- Apple is taping out and la- then launching three entirely different chips at the same time. That's a level of money they're funneling into a launch that almost no company can compete with and they're doing it from a dominant position so i think that's really the biggest thing people are pointing out is whole wow they're actually launching all three at once like that's something most companies can't even afford to do but they're doing it oh yeah i mean i guess that means they're maybe their uh tech and development process is becoming more efficient what that they can release all of them at the same time whereas what with the m1 it felt like they were I feel like these all came out, uh, these variants came out across like what, six months or something like that. And the ultra wasn't out until like a year later or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's a big departure. I would say this is the first time, uh, Apple SOC launch for, well, for their, uh, desktop and laptops where I'm 
a bit more skeptical on what their performance numbers will actually look like when all is said and done, because eh, this is the first time where they've actually had a reversal in some of their, uh, in, in some of their, or a seeming reversal in some of their specs versus their predecessors. So like that, I, I, I'm curious if the M3 Pro, for example, is really going to be that big of an inc- increase versus their M2 Pro, or if it's just they needed to get something out to replace their old system, their old hardware, and it's only going to be like five or ten percent better. Yeah, because they openly say that there's going to be low volume at first. It really does feel like what they're doing is they're like the fastest one's really fast. You're going to want that in your laptop. The other two are kind of just better versions of the old ones. And if there's not a lot of volume at first, whatever, buy the old one. Yeah, which uh, that might be a strategy that works, I suppose. Um, It does beg the question if they have any yield issues here or why they're otherwise, why would they be doing it this way? I don't know. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I mean, I think it's been a as far as Apple has been for the past like four, three or four years. I would say this year has been one of the lesser years for their hardware <laughs> mm-hmm. as far as things, as far as they usually are. Cause I think Apple, since they've moved their CPUs in house have been a lot more, have been consistently pretty impressive. And this is the first time where it looks like yeah, this one might be a little years, less, or the less. past year and a half. It's been starting to feel, uh, you know, it's been starting to feel like it's getting less impressive every time for the pa- for over a year now, though, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, I would agree. And I mean, I think we said that initially when the M1 came out, like, well, this thing didn't just appear out of nowhere. This is the first time they're telling us about their <laughs> or they're publicly unveiling these uh, SOCs that they've been developing for probably years. And subsequent releases are probably going to be more in line with, you know, what you expect from other companies hardware. And now yeah, that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> Hmm. Um. I don't know that I really have anything else to say about this. Uh, before I can really give any firm this is bad or good statements, I I need to see the benchmarks from a bunch of people because you could see a situation where the M3 base. Oh, what if it ends up being thirty percent stronger than its predecessor, while consuming less, like half the energy? I don't think that's what's going to happen. But if it did, that'd be impressive. Then again, we've also seen recent releases out of Apple where it doesn't really seem stronger than the previous gen, and may even be less efficient. So, outside of obviously seeing that the M3 Ultra and the M3 Max is impressive, I can't really come to a conclusion about the other things because these are notebook chips. So until we see how efficient they are in the real world, it's all kind of it's still a bit of waiting and seeing. Yeah, I, I mean, the one thing I'd say to that is like, I, I do think Apple has, even if the numbers they put out and their press releases are usually relatively vague, they've haven't, they've yet to be misleading. So, I, I, I suppose that's the positive with them is I, I, I suspect they'll be mostly in line with, you know, their their graphs that they show that are incredibly vague, and it's like. Uh, <laughs> Okay, yeah. this is a... The They're vague, the but they typically tell the truth, whereas with NVIDIA, you would go, for example, two to four times the performance? Not really, guys, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's two times performance, and then you just put a frame rate doubler thing in there that so you can claim four times perform. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let us then move on to story number three. 
This piece of content is brought to you by AliExpress. AliExpress is a feather everyone should have in their online shopping cap for finding competitive pricing on clothing, electronics, and do-it-yourself computer parts like this brand new RTX 4060 Ventus 2X 8GB overclock. This is a card that really does well as an inclusion in a budget system or perhaps a backup card for a creator like me, who doesn't want any backup card to suck a ton of energy while they're going through a stressful situation or require you to rebuild your entire case to fit it into it. It's not what you want to have to deal with if you have a backup card. You just want it to do what it needs to do and do it well enough without sucking a ton of energy. And you also don't want to pay too much for it, though, because it's a backup card. And that's why AliExpress is a good tool to have in your tool set for checking prices. If you just go to one online retailer, then you could be missing out on far better deals on products than you really need to. You should check out AliExpress. And you know, the RTX 4060 does work if it's priced right. It doesn't bring any new levels of performance per se, but it does bring a solid experience with lower power usage than previous generations. And if you want it, you can use the offer codes on screen and the links in the description to support Moore's Law is Dead while you're doing your November or Black Friday or really any holiday shopping this year. Using these codes and links helps the channel a ton, and it's a really great way to show support for the team members of Moore's Law is Dead. Well, you get something, hopefully, for a lower price than you realized you could have somewhere else. Again, clicking on the links in the description and using the offer codes on screen helps the channel a ton, and it, of course, also helps you save extra money this Black Friday season. Check out AliExpress today. Uh, AMD's 2024 through 2025 AP roadmap gets leaked by Moore's Laws Dead. According to a fresh new leak of an AMD roadmap by yours truly, the following updates must be reported for AMD's upcoming AP releases. First of all, Strix Point is now expected to firmly launch in quarter three of 2024. And yeah, I mean, that's still mid 2024. We had already heard that Strix Point was supposed to launch by the middle of 2024. But there was some hope that they could launch it by early quarter two or something. And this pretty much puts to rest the idea that this will be an early 2024 release. It's really more going to be like a late summer release. Second, Strix Halo and Fire Range, including the X3D variants of Fire Range, which is distinctly called out on the roadmap, have been moved back to 2025, unfortunately. And thirdly, Kraken and Escher have also been detailed as releasing in 2025 as well. Getting specific, Kraken is now exclusively leaked by this video to have eight Zen 5 cores and utilize RDNA 3.5 within a product that is positioned as being on the lower end of the premium category from AMD, succeeding Hotpoint, which is arguably the successor to like Phoenix and Rembrandt R, and Escher as listed as having eight Zen 4 cores yet again with RDNA 3, not 3.5, and is being positioned to succeed Rembrandt R in the upper end of the mainstream category. Also, don't worry, Hawkpoint, an enhanced version of Phoenix, is still positioned to launch to premium devices in early 2024. But this is actually where things go from a bit of a negative turn to a positive one. Hawkpoint isn't expected to be a full rework of Phoenix, but it does claim on this roadmap to offer 60% higher AI engine performance over Phoenix, namely 16 tops per second in Int 8 compared to Phoenix's 10 tops per second in Int 8. This is almost certainly achieved through massively higher AI engine clocks, and that then, therefore, might point to higher clocks in the rest of the SoC as well, but that seems to be the most of the change. This puts to rest both the notion that Hawkpoint would be a fully new redesign with RDNA 3.5, and also puts to rest the notion that it isn't a 
it's a very, very weak increase. This seems like a uplift that's not as big as Renoir to Cezanne, of course, but seems to be a bit better than what we saw from Rembrandt to Rembrandt Refresh. Furthermore, now Halo, Strix Point, and Kraken are listed as having 45 to 50 tops, which is far higher than the 40 to 20 tops previously planned by AMD and leaked roadmaps and documents. You see, Strix Halo was detailed to have 40 tops, Strix Point, 20 tops. Now, basically, every Zen 5 APU in 2025 just says 45 to 50 tops. Why the uplift? Supposedly Microsoft. According to this channel's sources, Microsoft is putting in place a 45 to 50 tops requirement for some form of Windows 11 AI certification. Maybe it's for ideal co-pilot performance, which is launching right now. And then Kepler on Twitter also suggested that this could be a requirement for Windows 12, that you'll need a 50 tops SOC to be Windows 12 certified. And so there you go. With this leak, we can conclude that Intel's Meteor Lake should, because of the delays, have a solid one to three months in the sun as a premium product. But it does also seem like that the cheaper to manufacture Hawkpoint is going to be a bit stronger than we thought it might be, that AMD still has a mobility lineup ready for the 2024 back to school season. Well, Intel likely will have large competitive gaps in mobility until 2026. All right, this was actually a pretty big leak out of this channel, I thought, out of left field. What'd you think, Dan? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think it overall changes the uh, calculus of where Intel is versus AMD in the long run. Uh, obviously, Strix coming out earlier in the year would have been better, and Hawkpoint doesn't seem to be that big of an improvement, although an appreciable improvement, at least, especially with AI over what we have with Phoenix. But you know, they they'll have a gap architect, or they'll have a gap chip for to put into new laptops for. I don't know, six to nine months with Hawk Point, And then hopefully we'll start seeing Strix Point actually enter laptops later this year, which is, you know, what around what you were saying, even if it would have been more ideal if it came out in like June or July or something, or not June, if it came out in like late May or late June. Uh, and then to my memory, though, this is a, a decently later than Strix Halo was expected to come out, or am I just misremembering? No, and I did say that in the video as well, that Strix Point, I think early stuff I had, the document, you know, that initial Strix Halo leak, it said quarter, like first half of 2024, but then I even said in the video, my contacts say it's getting pushed back to the middle. And so it's going from like, Q23 to Q3. That's not real. That's arguably not even a delay, right? For no. Strix Point. I would say it is a bit of one, though. Just like Meteor Lake launching in December, I would say is a delay, even though it's still coming out in Q4. Definitely was not planned to come out that late in Q4. Same for Strix Point. Uh, but Strix Halo, yeah, I mean, at first they wanted to get it out, I believe, middle or early 2024. And then the initial leak I said sounds like it might be second half of the year. Now it just says 2025. That, that's clearly one to two quarters, maybe even three delayed from what they wanted. Which, yeah, I mean, if they had like Strix Point coming out against, um, or Strix Halo, sorry, coming out against or even before Arrow Lake, that would have been huge. And I think that could have been like AMD actually taking a significant amount of market share because I, 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 I think Strix Point is more in line with like what they've been putting out for the past few generations. It's clearly a departure for, uh, and clearly going to be a lot stronger than what they've gotten in the past, but not a huge departure. Uh, and I think it's going to be more able to, you know, actually just 
be an APU that ha- is dedicated for gaming hardware without a uh, without a dedicated GPU. But Strix Halo really, I think, has a chance to completely change the market uh, if they get it into enough products. Right. The only thing that I worry about now is at least the documents I had suggested Strix Halo should match the performance of 4070 laptop chips, which really means matching 4060 Ti performance, but of course using significantly less energy for the overall SoC than the competition and taking up less space. Has all these benefits of using one APU over having a dedicated card next to an SoC. But I guess we can assume maybe it's going to end up a bit stronger than like we're seeing an increase in AI performance. Who's to say that this coming out later doesn't mean that it's now going to be closer to a 4080 laptop in performance or at least a max Q variant of that. But I don't know, 2025, it might just be launching next to Blackwell. I wouldn't expect mobile Blackwell to be ready until back to school 2025, really. You know, or or at best to be ready like mid-2025 in a lot of laptops. But that that is a competitive... I always felt like Halo will be at its best if it can launch at least half a year before Blackwell, because then you'll have these reviews where it's just clearly competing with high-end laptops and it's an APU. Now everyone's going to be saying, well, it's more efficient, but Blackwell's about is launching right now. So it's not like you can really compare it to the 4070. Now you've got to compare it to like the 5060 laptop edition or something, which is yeah. a competitive... It's, it's not as ideal as it could have been for AMD. I mean, yeah, if it were coming out where the the uh, where Lovelace was still the main uh, cards being sold in laptops like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could advertise this APU, which is more power efficient, is essentially a mid range graphics card for laptop. And now if it's coming out next to Blackwell, it's going to be more of a low end graphics card, still more power efficient. I honestly still think an ideal situ uh solution for most people like mm-hmm. i don't particularly need high-end graphics performance in a laptop so i think for someone like me it, this would be good but it, it's not nearly as marketable if it's coming out next to blackwell yeah i guess the final things i want to talk about here though about this is i kind of have some theories about what may be going on right so what I've had suggested to me by a few people right now is that, well, actually, I'll put it this way. One source said it to me this way, um, who knows about this, but isn't someone at AMD. This person said, well, if you look at Phoenix, you have 10 tops. If you look at Hawkpoint, you have 16. If there's a 50 tops requirement for anything, mm-hmm. why not just, like, 16 is a huge change. Why not just make it 50? Like, why would it go to 16? Unless they just found a way to get there through clock speeds. And that's why I think that's what's going on with Hawkpoint is it has higher clock speeds because 16 is such a weird number. If it was like 20, I would say they changed more, but I, I kind of doubt it. Um, and what I've also had suggested to me is that for Windows 11, Microsoft might allow you, maybe even Windows 12, Microsoft might allow you to combine the top's performance of the GPU and the AI engine. So I believe the AI, the GPU in Phoenix is capable of about 35 tops or something I've heard from somebody. Sorry if I get this wrong, people listening, you know, but (laughs) what I've heard is if they push the clocks that much on the AI engine, it gets them over the requirement barrier. And that's probably why they pushed it so hard. Meanwhile, the more I think about it, when I see them go from 40 tops with Strix Halo and 20 tops with Strix Point to all of a sudden all Zen 5 APUs of 45 to 50 tops, and there's some delays, 
I kind of wonder if what's going on here is they overclocked the IP block for the AI engine in Halo. And then instead of putting the weaker one in these other products, they just said, nope, everything gets this. Yeah, everything gets the Strix Halo uh, IP block. But now we're going to have to delay everything at least a quarter to make it work or something. Because going from 40 to 45 to 50 with Halo, it's probably basically the same thing. Going from 20 to 50, they just fundamentally did a last minute change on the design and that probably caused some delays. I mean, that makes sense. And it (laughs) it definitely speaks to something is changing is changing that forced them to push that ai engine you know like you and exactly kepler suggested which also really speaks to if this is a result of microsoft updating going to some new standard with windows 11 or just ditching windows 11 and going to windows 12 already really speaks to how big of a failure windows 11 has been thus far yeah, I guess. And, you know, I'm sure Windows moving to 12 will just make people go, you know, well, it's a new number, so I'll give it a try now. But if we're being honest, all of this seems like all of 11 and 12 could have both been just updates to 10. That's I can't help but feel I, that. I, I know. it's. I feel like Windows 10 really nailed the UI of Windows finally. And I don't I don't I, I, I don't know why they're trying to make massive changes to it. I mean, I guess the answer is they want you to buy a new key, but, but mm-hmm. it, it's still pretty obnoxious. Um, and yeah, I, I wish it was just still Windows 10 and they didn't make the weird decisions they did. Although I do have a Windows 12 laptop now. I mean, not 12, 11, Windows 11 laptop now. And I don't have c- complaints about Windows 11. It's not like they're murdering your child to give you windows 11 or something i'd say the most annoying thing about windows 11 which of course i have on my benchmarking system my girlfriend's pc uses it as well i built pcs for other people that use it so i i've used it is it still just feels so bizarre to me that microsoft has half of the options in their menus the old like basically windows 7 like they have like a slick windows 10 slash 11 interface And still, half of the things you click on pull up like a Windows 7 era looking thing. And I would think, I get why that happens in 10. But if you're going to call this Windows 11, at a minimum, shouldn't I have expected you to solve all of that and make it one uniformed interface by now? Yeah. And now you're moving to 12 and I'm still pulling up like some stuff that, even some stuff that almost looks like Windows XP, like put this in the new UI. Like what is going on? It's bizarre. Yeah, I mean, if it means fewer things, well, I think they mostly solve that with updates or something. It doesn't, it looks less like the uh, the social media or new websites where everything has to be curvy for some reason that I was expecting, which I'm Mm -hmm. happy with. Because I really hate that decision that so many internet companies have uh, uh, websites have made where it's like everything needs to like i don't know look bouncy for some reason <laughs> run again writes in hope i said that right and says hey tom and dan first time asking a question well welcome with the new release of amd's mobile apu line with 12 graphics cus that's the 680m and then 780m I was expecting to see a segment of budget gaming laptops crop up around them. I've seen budget mini PCs leverage them, to be fair, but the laptops I've seen are all $1,000 plus and sometimes have a discrete GPU anyways. I was wondering what y'all think about it. Maybe the fact that the CPU itself is high-end 
Um, well, number one, you know, if you put a NVIDIA graphics card sticker on a laptop, it does make it so well. All OEMs tell me that, like, if you have two laptops and one of them costs 10% more, but you can say it comes with an NVIDIA graphics card, people are going to pay the extra 10%. So they tend to do it, you know? Yeah. And and like, if you're buying an expensive premium CPU, which these APUs are premium CPU, do have premium CPUs in them. Um, would you rather put that in a product that sells for six to eight hundred bucks mm-hmm. or fourteen hundred to two thousand bucks? I think you're probably going to pick that the the latter option most of the time. Like, and we've talked about that a bunch on this channel. I, I wish there were more gaming laptops like that too, but that's just yeah. not what the market wants. Well, and to be fair, we've talked about this. The Lenovo laptop I got you is like a graduation gift. I you know, you wanted a Phoenix laptop. You wanted a laptop without a dedicated card, but I managed to get this like nine Lenovo yeah. 90 Hertz, like 1600p touchscreen laptop with a Phoenix eight core for a grand flat. And then it had a 3066 or 3050 six gigabyte yeah. in it. And I went, I know you didn't want a dedicated card, Dan, but I'm pretty sure you could just turn it off because, weirdly <laughs> enough, this is the same price as other things. Now, since I got you that laptop, the price has gone up. I honestly suspect that Lenovo updated the specs, forgot to update the price, and we got lucky because it's not the same price anymore. So, to be oh, fair, yeah. I think you got lucky. But, yeah, you know, I, it's a premium price. How much does it cost to add the 3050? Did they already design it for a 3050? Probably. So... I think they might. They figure, well, we might as well spend a hundred bucks on the GPU if it makes people pay twelve hundred dollars instead of a thousand. Yeah, and like I, I definitely agree uh, with Ron again. I wish there were products like that out on the market, but that's just OEMs don't want it, <laughs> and uh, consumers, especially with laptops, still have a lot of brand uh, loyalty. I think with Nvidia, so more people are going to buy a laptop that has NVIDIA on it than an AMD APU. Well, I think we cannot... I I feel like this is something I have to remind everybody about with relatively often. Intel has a ton of oversupply of Alder Lake and now Raptor Lake. Like From what I've heard, they just stuffed the channels and OEMs are just trying to get rid of this stuff. You see Intel in more budget laptops because they're trying to get rid of Intel CPUs and it's hard for them to keep AMD laptops in stock. They sell very well. And so if you're an OEM and you're like, we have unlimited Intel CPUs on the one hand over here that Intel's giving us a discount for, by the way, at this point. And over here, we have AMD CPUs that we can't keep in stock. Well, we can't keep them in stock. We might as well put them in premium laptops. And until AMD gets to a point where they have like, I think they're at like 30-something percent now. Until they get to like 50% of the laptop market and have extra volume, they're not likely to be in a ton of budget products because they can't keep them in stock, so you might as well charge more for it. It's a yeah, good problem true. to have if you're AMD, but it, but it is still a problem I'm sure AMD wishes they didn't have. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they're making more money, that's great for them. It's just, I do feel like the products it's going into is kind of antithetical to the design philosophy of their APUs, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, and might I suggest to Ronigan here, um, 
I think Hawkpoint you'll probably see in more budget stuff as they relegate a streamlined version of Phoenix with some upgrades to where you see Rembrandt now, right? Rembrandt refresh. No, you see that in budget stuff all the time now, sometimes by itself. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah, that's true. I think we kind of just have to accept that AMD's strategy moving forward is they make one type of APU, it's out for a while, then they have the refresh get relegated to the budget stuff where it's by itself. And, you know, until until Hawk points out, Phoenix is more premium. And until we get to not crack and whatever the successor to Strix point is, it's going to be the same situation. The Hollow Knight writes in and he says, if Strix Halo uses the same CCDs as Fire Range, will there be Strix Halo products with Vcash? Well, I would say either way, AMD can make Strix Halo with Vcash if they wanted to. Or if they want to, like, Mm -hmm. I I don't like, even if it used its own unified 16 core CCD, which is some evidence that might be what's going on either way. uh, They can put Vcash on it if they really want to. It's just so far, I haven't really seen indications that's happening. And if I'm being entirely honest, I feel like by now I would have seen on one piece of documentation, Vcash option or plus X3D, (laughs) but I, I, I really haven't seen that. So I would suggest either Strix Halo is meant to use some unique tile or they just don't want to launch X3D or, you know, it's entirely conceivable. It's its own Zen 5 plus Zen 5C 16 core, you know, CPU Mm -hmm. tile. It's entirely conceivable. That's what's going on. I'd suggest that'd be a little wasteful if they did it that way, but I just don't think they really want to do that right now. But if they did, I mean, I think that would make it (laughs) <laughs> the mo- the most efficient APU ever. So I certainly hope they will. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it would be ideal for it, but we'll see. I mean, th- who knows? Maybe it'll come out six months later as a so they can have some minor press release, as what often seems to happen with VK. Not to mention, you know, I mean, we don't know enough about Zen Five from benchmarks to know like how much it benefits it in what ways. Like so far. Sure. Zen 3 with Vcash, certainly Zen 4 even more so actually with Vcash, seems to have this big power consumption drop. But we don't know how much that'll help with Zen 5. Most evidence would be it should help more, but until we see what Zen 5 in real benchmarks actually does, it's hard to say if they really need that or how much it would benefit it. Because again, you know, this is quite different from another situation where if you have Vcash on an SoC that gets paired with a 4090 laptop graphics card, yeah, the extra Vcash is good. That graphics card could use almost as much CPU performance as you can spare. But this was only ever going to be paired with 40 compute unit, like mid-range to high-end stuff. I don't know if you need any more CPU performance, right? Um, yeah, that's true. In fact, I might argue the biggest use for that would be as a selling point for like a mobile thread ripper for like specific <laughs> workloads because it has a 256-bit memory controller that can support ton- hundreds of gigabytes of RAM. I almost think that would be, for professional uses, mm-hmm. the real reason you'd want that. Um, because I don't think the... I don't think the 40 compute unit graphics cards going to be bottlenecked by 16 Zen 5 cores with or without Vcash, guys. Uh, Compressor Earthblocks writes in and he says, Tom, what is the next Mendocino? Currently it uses Zen 2, but that cannot last forever. Can it? Will Zen 4 replace Zen 2 in Mendocino next whenever that comes out? Um, I would assume that's what they would do because Zen 4 really is analogous to Zen 2 in that, yes, Zen 5 will be better, but Zen 4 and Zen 2's core size is actually really small. 
So for a budget chip, it would make sense to keep using Zen 4 and these tiny APUs. Having said that, it says they're going to be using Mendocino through 2025 on the roadmap I have. And I know the successor, what was it? I was told it's called Sonoma Valley. And I believe that's come out in other leaks a long Mm -hmm. time ago as well. And I still haven't seen anything say Sonoma Valley on a document that is at least two years old. So Hmm. I I, I think there's a chance AMD doesn't think they need Bendicino as a segment. And they would be better off just selling Rembrandt, frankly, down there or something than putting all this money into taping out some other ultra low power design, which is, is very different than Intel, which we're about to get to, who thinks Lunar Lake should be like a distinct premium low power thing. I think AMD is running the numbers and at least their perspective compared to Intel is the amount of people that will pay extra for a weak efficient CPU is fairly small. So we might as well just clock Rembrandt lower and sell it in the cheap ones. <laughs> like, like what's the point of making this special thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, the one thing I, at a certain point, it starts to become a stupid business decision to keep r- putting Zen two six nanometer into their things though. Right. Or maybe, I don't know. I think that thing yeah. is, what is it like an 80 millimeter squared die? It costs like nothing. So yeah, that's I, I don't know. Like I, I, but yeah, I think it does. And that's why they would go, well, yeah, but so whatever our budget chip will be, it'll be the rejects of stuff we made too much of like, what, maybe yeah, we'll have a sense. bunch of leftover Rembrandt and then, or we plan to do that. We don't have a bunch of leftover Rembrandt, but then we have leftover Little Phoenix. Whatever, we'll just disable that into cheap laptops or something to get rid of it. And I, I wonder if that's what AMD's concluding. If we're going to be making, you know, I guess maybe not Fire Range because that's pretty much just a mobile version of the desktop chip. But if we're going to be making Halo, Strixpoint, Kraken, and Escher, and we're still going to have Rembrandt down there, is there a chance one of them will be oversupplied and we could just use that or something? I, I don't know. I think I think that's probably what they're thinking from what I can tell because we still don't see Sonoma Valley. So I almost wonder if that segment's mm-hmm. gone for a lo- the foreseeable future. Um, what well, is for the foreseeable future? It's at least through 2025. I would say that qualifies as foreseeable future. But speaking of releases both in and after the foreseeable future, let us get to story number four. Meteor Lake performance detailed and Nova Lake big last level cache release date also leaked. On Friday night, this channel put out a leak that aimed to firm up some details regarding upcoming Intel launches in response to recent AMD leaks. In summary, every chip has an efficiency sweep spot, a sweet spot where it reaches its best performance per power ratio before there are large diminishing returns. According to my contacts, Meteor Lakes, at least in the testing that the people who have the chips right now have seen, really has an efficiency sweet spot at 65 to 95 watts. Now, I have to be clear. That doesn't mean if you limit it to 45 watts, it won't be technically more efficient than 65 to 95. But the curve in efficiency isn't such that it's drastically better, right? Mm -hmm. If, If that makes sense. And at this power consumption level, though, it seems to perform like a Raptor Lake chip uh, that consumes around 95 to 140 watts. So if you think about it, what's, let's just split the difference here. It's like if you have a 120-watt Raptor Lake chip and an 80-watt Meteor Lake chip, they seem to be performing about the same. In other words, Meteor Lake really doesn't seem like it's doubling Raptor Lake efficiency. And you can actually see in recent marketing that Intel is suddenly comparing Meteor Lake's efficiency to doubling Alder Lake, which, by the way, by the time this comes out, will be two to three generations old 
by Meteor Lake's launch. This is in stark contrast to AMD, which consistently targets their laptop chips to have efficiency sweet spots between 28 to 54 watts, and thus suggests that Meteor Lake may lose in some efficiency categories, at least not win by much, compared to Hotpoint and certainly compared to Strixpoint. Idle power consumption and casual alert workloads are probably where Meteor Lake shines, but outside of that, you push the cores hard, or even somewhat hard, it's kind of up in the air if it's actually that much more efficient than what AMD will have at the time. Uh, additionally, in this video, uh, we leaked uh, that Arrow Lake will still be a very late 2024 product, contrary to, I personally believe, how Pat Gelsinger was painting it. What did he say? He said, like, Arrow Lake on 20A is on and working well in Windows, uh, which kind of makes it sound like it's almost ready. I have to point out, and I did in this video, Meteor Lake powered on, I think, early or mid-2021, and it's still not out. So from what I am told, Arrow Lake powered on in quarter two, and thus, if it were to release a year and a half after that, that's an improvement over what they did, relatively speaking, to Meteor Lake. So no, mm -hmm. uh, Raptor, uh, Arrow Lake is definitely a late 2024 product. Additionally, Lunar Lake is expected to launch one to six months after that, so probably the first half of 2025. Best case scenario, they pull it to December of next year. And Panther Lake is an end of 2025 product, uh, probably launching next to Arrow Lake Refresh in a very similar way to how Meteor Lake is launching next to a Raptor Lake Refresh. And then finally, in the video, Nova Lake is set to launch late 2026, which, if we're being honest, seems to be the first full new desktop performance architecture after Arrow Lake. That's not coming until 2026. And the big LLC version, last level cache version, which I asked is definitely a direct vCache competitor. Apparently that version of Nova Lake isn't even launching until 2027, which at that point I would argue it's a Zen 7, Zen 8, or even Zen successor competitor. All of this forces us to beg a question. Can Intel survive until then? Based on what we've seen, we can see in their recent earnings, client is their last bastion of profitable income. If everybody here looks it up, you will see that client is now almost twice as big uh, as data center, if not literally almost exactly twice as big, actually. And everything else is much smaller segments in terms of like quarterly revenue. I don't know. It just seems worrisome that we see AMD climbing to about 50% market share while making decent margins. Well, Intel... If they get to 50% market share and they're making no margins, I, I'm just worried AMD can do to Intel what NVIDIA did to Radeon. And this is all happening. That's data center where Intel is not making money on each chip sold and almost going to be a 50-50 market. And client, I mean, yeah, they still have a huge client footprint, but Qualcomm, Apple, and AMD are about to go harder here than we've ever seen before. So I don't know. Again, like I said before, Meteor Lake will have time to shine for at least a few months. But I really do have reservations about how well Intel can survive till 2027. I mean, that's the first time they're going to have a Vcash competitor. I don't know, Dan. What do you think about all of this? Yeah, it, it doesn't sound good. I mean, I don't know. It's sometimes feels depressing talking about Intel because it just seems like they're constantly... There is a constant feeling that they're about to catch up. And then three months later, you learn more about what's happening at, uh, with their product development. And, oh, no, this isn't going to be the, their, the company's saving grace because everything they release comes out like three to six months 
later than it should or more really i guess but Mm -hmm. it's just kind of depressing at a certain point like meteor like i I suppose is beating amd's an amd competitor to the market but i don't know how impressive meteor lake is going to really be at this point like if the ideal performance is 65 to 95 watts that's not that great for laptop in my opinion i mean that'll Mm. That'll be good. I, they're for, still going to put it in a lot of 28 and 45 uh, uh, watt. I, 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 I'm aware that there's going to be low powered variants of it, but if it's not scaling well in performance at that the, at those low levels, we'll see. I mean, depending on how poorly it scales, that's not going to be a compelling argument against uh, Hawk Point or even <laughs> Phoenix, like what they have right now. And I suppose at 95 watts, you know, that can go in like a desktop replacement, maybe, but. That's not that. At least I don't think that's that. Well, it'd be it'd be smaller than desktop replacement. Remember, we have fourteen inch laptops that have a sixty five watt CPU or something, and a five watt. So no, I think it'll fit in thin and lights just because it's by itself, right? But not new form factors unless you compromise on performance a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know that sixty five to ninety five. I mean, you want a a power band from like twenty to one hundred forty watts or something that would be the holy grail for a mm-hmm. cpu but I well know. and you always do have you always have to decide where are we going to target it it seems weird that it's around there intentional or not is what uh, i would uh, say. Yeah, I, I, at least the way meteor lake has been discussed in the past or how they to me it sounded like it would have been ideal it's ideal power band would be somewhere between like i don't know Thir- like 40 and 65 watts or something like that and oh, this i would is- have thought 15 to 30 you know <laughs> i don't know and yeah i mean this is a t- yeah i i mean uh, it, it came off like this is a decent low to mid power mm-hmm. uh cpu architecture and 65 to 95 watts is more medium to high power consumption by normal standards i guess intel has pushed their architectures to absurd levels uh now with like raptor like refresh but yeah i don't know this just doesn't seem that great to me anymore hopefully the it still scales in efficiency well below 30 watts and i imagine it's ideal not power band won't be terrible but yeah i i don't know it just doesn't seem like it's going to be that great of a competitor toward towards hawk point at this point and Put it another way, it seems like, despite the delays, Hawkpoint might be a perfectly acceptable competitor to Meteor Lake. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. And if if Strix is only uh, like a few Hmm. months around the corner, it's probably just worth waiting for. Like, we'll see how fast Intel gets Hmm. Meteor Lake actually into uh, laptops and how much of a paper launch this is. Because, uh, once again, I've, I've said that before, I feel like laptop hardware i mean laptop cpus and gpus are really really prone <laughs> to paper launches where you don't really start seeing the the things that the quote-unquote launched in actual products until like three to six months later well and i want to touch on that too because i asked around like when i got this information uh the, the amd roadmap apu stuff like Okay, well, quarter three for Strix Point. Is it at least going to be a good launch, or is it going to be this thing where they're like, it launches <laughs> in you know late July, and then you can't buy it till November or something stupid? And what I was told is, well, you can never promise 
ahead of time how many OEMs will really end up using it, right? Like right away. Eventually, they all probably will, but we can't make them all rush it out at the right time. But the volume should be there. And someone actually quite literally said to me, AMD's tired of launching products de facto in the no man's land. Like you announce in quarter one, but then it's not decently available until summer. Well, what's the point? People don't buy as many laptops in the summer. They usually either buy it at the very beginning of the year or especially through back to school and holiday seasons. So I think there's a decent chance here, though, that AMD will have decent availability for back to school. And if they can afford to wait and they think they can, then they should, which Mm -hmm. actually kind of gets me to my other thought here. We have to remember that like AMD, uh, especially NVIDIA in my experience, by the way, and Intel too, tend to know what each other are working on before I leak it. Like they tend to. Um, And like they have people whose jobs are to figure this out. Um, And so if AMD was sitting there and they're like, hey, from what we're hearing, Meteor Lake really won't even be ready until the beginning of 2024. And now we hear about this Windows requirement. Maybe AMD said, we don't need Strix Point sooner. Like, yeah. And it'd be better to make it more positioned to do well in AI performance. Because I have to say this too, we still don't know the performance of the Meteor Lake Neural Engine. We only know that Intel keeps talking about it without giving that many firm numbers. But I've seen some suggestions. And again, this isn't me saying I'm sure of this, but I've heard suggestions from some people by now, at least in some discussion boards, that it kind of seems like Intel's telegraphing that Meteor Lake has between 12 and 15 tops, which if that's mm. true, Hawkpoint might actually have the better neural engine. Yeah, and then the next if thing... If that happens, that was one of the main selling points of Meteor Lake. Yeah, that's true. And then the next thing is, well, how is... Well, we'll see. Maybe Intel will come out with Arrow Lake's neural engine and it will be fine as well. But then there's the fact that if uh, Microsoft is going to put out a new version of Windows, Mm. well, that is going to need a light fire under Intel's ass to make sure that their neural engines are up to snuff to actually run Windows 11, whatever, or Windows 12. (laughs) I don't don't know what they would, the delineation would be with Windows 11 that requires, uh, you said 40 tops, right? And I've heard 45 to 50. It's so weird people say that. I've had one person okay. tell me what the requirement might be is 45 if it's just the neural engine, 50 if you combine things. Oh, okay. So that might that might light a fire under Intel's ass to it like Arrow Lake needs to support that new version of Windows if they're going to be launching around when that new version of Windows launches or else I think that would be a very embarrassing launch for uh, Arrow Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we think about the performance per watt curves that we've seen comparing at least Dragon Range to Raptor Lake and you know, seemingly comparing Phoenix to Raptor Lake, uh, the, the, the mobile-focused 6 plus 8 Raptor Lake SOCs and so on mm-hmm. and so forth, depending on which one you're comparing, if it's the HX, it seems like uh, Dragon Range with Zen 4 is maybe 30 to 50% more efficient than Raptor Lake. Raptor Lake compared to Phoenix, it seems like it's a little closer, maybe like into AMD's 20% more efficient. Okay, so it seems like Meteor Lake is 50% more efficient than Raptor Lake. All right, but so AMD's already 20 to 50% better than that. If Hawkpoint improves on efficiency at all, I'd suggest it's going to be pretty close to Meteor Lake. Again, Mm -hmm. with Meteor Lake probably having better idle power and 
maybe better curves to a certain degree, but if you push them, it's really not that different. And if Hawkpoint's able to push its clock speeds up by 10% in graphics, I don't think there's going to be an appreciable difference between it and Meteor Lake. And it it just goes to show how important timing is, where if you take too long to launch, if Meteor Lake launched in the middle of 2023 for back to school, firmly against Phoenix, it would have just been the better thing. That's way more efficient. But you give AMD enough time, they can do a refresh of Phoenix that has some enhancements, and all of a sudden it's not that different, and then it'll be looming with everyone waiting for the Zen 5 variant. So, I don't know. I, I think that's that, that's pretty worrisome for Intel's client, which they cannot afford to lose. Um, but the other thing I want to bring up is, I don't know, do you have any thoughts about Nova Lake having a Vcash competitor variant? I mean, not too many. Like, that's just so far into the future. Who knows how, well, it will probably still be relevant. Who knows where AMD is going to be at that point. And That's my thought as well. It's just, it took them, what, then six years to come up with a competitor to that? That's bad. Yeah, I, when I hear Nova Lake Vcash competitor in 2027, I'm like, well, Zen 6 is supposed to launch into 25. So we're talking about a Zen 7, Zen 8, or again, I don't know. I haven't really heard anyone talk about Zen 7. There's some people who wonder if they're working on the successor to Zen, like as Zen 8 or something possibly, or Zen, like like around there, they might do it. I would suggest AMD should keep using Zen. It's the best brand name they've ever created. But, you know, I don't know. Like, I who's who knows what AMD will even have by then? For all we know, they will evolve past the concept of Vcash. Exactly. And, yeah, as far as Zen goes... I don't know. The rise in branding, I think, is going to stick around for a while, even if they stop calling true. code naming their architectures. Then. <laughs> That's true. They could still call it Ryzen. So, um, all right. QH Freddy writes and he says, can AI be the cash injection Intel needs to get their footing and really return to form? I mean, AI is going to boost every semiconductor company a bit right now, but I don't see how I they're think- positioned to capitalize on this as well as AMD and certainly compared to NVIDIA. I mean, yeah, I think NVIDIA is so far ahead when it comes to that. I don't know who, <laughs> I don't know who's going to outcompete NVIDIA at this point when it comes to AI. Well, and again, it's, it's all relative here. Will Intel make more money from AI? Sure. Will yeah. AM, Intel make more money from data center and client if the market starts booming again next year? Sure. But so will AMD. And if AMD is getting, ever gets to a scenario where they are half of the market making higher margins, tides lift all boats but amd's boat may just be getting so much higher there that they'll save up enough money to really just go for the kill on a price war they don't want to Mm -hmm. all everything we've seen from amd so far is they're taking what little they can at the margins and slowly chipping away you know at at the sides of intel and they've never really tried to go for a kill because well i think they saw that they tried to do that way too prematurely with their was it athlon era and they're only going to do that if it's already basically a done deal you know. Yeah, I mean, and they're all companies we talk about them as competitors, which they are. But like, if AMD is making money, I'm I'm sure AMD is happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Let us then move on to another Intel story here with story number five. My girlfriend likes dressing up our pets, and heck, I do too sometimes. Probably a lot more than they like it themselves. But you know what's scarier than being dressed up by a giant human like a strawberry or a tomato? Well, that's overpaying for Microsoft software. And that is why you should go to cdkeyoffer.com 
during their Halloween sales event. Whether it's Microsoft operating systems, Office products, or many of the latest games, CDKeyOffer.com provides PC gamers with a product that I honestly think this community needs, and that's just avoiding monopolistic prices on software, especially Windows and Office products. And you know, the Moore's Law is Dead team has been working with this company for a very long time and still does for a reason. They've been good to us. They've been good to the community. Heck, recently I got my girlfriend a new compact gaming PC as an early Christmas present, and when it came time to set up the office software, I realized she was paying a lot of money for a year for Microsoft 365, and she was blown away to realize that that was a predatory service, and you can get Microsoft Professional 2021 Office for like $50, and then you're done. And you know what? You can get that around $50 cost if you just use the offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off, and you can use the code DIESHRINK as well to get 3% off every other piece of software on the website, whether it's Steam, EA, or Ubisoft keys. Using either of these codes, Broken Silicon or Die Shrink helps support Wars Laws Dead a ton, and it saves you money. So support this channel by supporting CDKeyOffer.com during their Halloween sales event today. Uh, Sapphire Rapids refresh details leaked. Quoting here from video cards, a chart shared by Yukions of the shows a simple trend that there are slightly more cores across the entire stack of the new workstation chips Intel is launching. They should have higher base clocks as well, and some parts should receive higher boost clocks. However, each part does technically list a higher TDP that's adjusted up by 10 to 25 watts. That said, this shouldn't be considered, let me see, a full refresh in a brand new architecture, just a power and core increase, which results in better clocks and higher performance. Um, well, you know, that's what video cards reports, but I actually want to put a quote on screen here. And this is something I've said before, but now I'm going to say it again because I just double-checked with people. Based on what I am told, Sapphire Rapids Refresh, the architecture in it for the new version of Fishhawk Falls, this is analogous to going from Alder Lake to Raptor Lake Refresh and core performance increase. So I think what we're seeing here, and I'm just going to mostly quote what Yukions themselves said, not what's editorialized here by video cards, like... They're upping core counts by like two across the stack. They are also, you're getting higher boost clocks. That also comes parcel with, you know, hopefully lower power consumption at same levels of performance. Now, I will say though, the fact that if this ends up true, what Yukion's leaked shows higher TDP values. I don't know. I Again, only Intel can decide to make something more efficient at same clocks if they just decide to push voltage and everything to the moon again. I don't know. I mean, that would suggest to me they may be considering doing that. But I would suggest if they are doing that, you should expect at least a 20% performance boost over the predecessor. Oh, and it appears the new series really isn't going to be launching until next year. So I thought we had to cover this because it was interesting. But I, I don't know that I have that much to say outside of pointing out that with Zen 4 being out at the same time, I don't see how this is that competitive. Wait, when you see the new series, do you mean this one or do you mean Emerald Rapids? <laughs> It is the Emerald Rapids version, basically, of Fishhawk Falls. Okay. Yeah. I if mean, you're I confused, don't... yes, they are calling it Sapphire Rapids Refresh on Workstation, even though it uses better than Sapphire Rapids architecture. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a confusing decision. And my memory, is it, my memory though, that what confused me about this is Emerald Rapids is coming out soon, too, isn't it? Or am I Supposedly December 14th at the same time as Meteor Lake, I believe. Okay. I don't know. I'm just... Maybe it's good for people with workstations that are still on fourth gen or something. It's 
seems a bit confusing that this is coming out so close to Emerald Rapids, though, supposedly. Well, no, again, it is, though, Emerald Rapids. Okay. It's just called Sapphire Rapids Refresh. Well, they're taking, <laughs> I guess they're just really uh, loving their confusing marketing here, then. This is, this is an odd launch to me. I agree. It's, it's you know, I, I had some hope for this, um, like, a couple months ago when it sounded like AMD made not launch Threadripper until early next year. And oh, they're yeah. basically not doing it, but they're accelerating it as much as they can, which means... By the time Sapphire Rapids refreshes out, AMD will have Zen 4 basically out too. And at that point, who cares? I mean, yeah. the whole point would have been, can you fix Sapphire Rapids workstation and then launch a quarter before AMD? Because I have heard in OEM, AMD is starting to lose HEDT slash workstation market share now. Like that people are fed up with being offered Zen 3 when Zen 5 rumors are basically all confirmed. Like what is going on, AMD? And so that's that why they're sense. pushing up Threadripper. But they have pushed up Threadripper, so I don't really see a point in getting Sapphire Rapids refresh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm guessing you don't have much else to say about this. No. All right. Well, let us then move on at a brisk pace to story number six. RTX Super lineup and pricing targets leaked. The RTX 40 series super rumors have been flying for a while now, and right before Halloween, Moore's Laws had exclusively dispelled and confirmed what's really going on with this refresh series. In summary, to start off actually with what's going on with the supply with the 4090, currently the 4090 China ban is set to take effect on November 16th. Because of this, NVIDIA might try to fight it to push it back farther, but it really doesn't matter. Either way, if you're in China, you're worried a ban's coming and you're going to buy it up. And if you're an AIB, you know that if a ban doesn't happen November 16th, it'll probably happen shortly after that. And so AIBs are rushing all of their 4090 stock into China right now, both to capitalize on the price gouging because of FOMO and also to legitimately try to sell through these cards in China and saturate the market before the ban takes place. So right now, NVIDIA is also benefiting from this by raising 8102 pricing to its partners. It's like they're completely not to blame on increased prices. And what that means is over the holiday season, 4090 prices are going up. And correspondingly, you should expect like the 4080 pricing to drift up a little bit too. Um, anyways, it's supposed to be temporary. I'm told that by the first half of next year, 4090 pricing should start going back down again. But also, NVIDIA doesn't seem like they mind that this will happen after the Super Series is launched anyways, which I also detailed in this video that there are three main supercards. There is the 16-gigabyte full 80103-4080 Super with 24 gigabit per second memory. It should raise performance by over 5% and maybe up to 15%. Then there's the 16-gigabyte 80103-4070 Ti Super that should bring close to or maybe 10 to 20% weaker than 4080 performance down in price with more RAM. And then there's the 12-gigabyte 80104 4070 Super that brings near 4070 Ti performance down in price as well. Meanwhile, the 4090 and then below the 4070, not a lot of changes expected, if any changes there. 4090 is selling so well, they have to raise prices. So no, there will not be some 4090 Ti, nor some 80102 4080 Ti. I can't believe these. Again, I just have to say, like the people that were saying there was going to be a 4080 Super based on 80102, why would NVIDIA do that when they're raising the price on 8102? They have no trouble selling this. They're not going to find a way to sell that for less. Those are people guessing. But that's just, <laughs> it doesn't even pass the sniff test. And I'm actually told below the 4070, the 4060 Ti 16 gigabyte at 450 or less, 
and the 4060 below 300. Now that some pricing has been adjusted to partners to allow them to sell it for less, I'm told those are selling fine enough that they don't see a need to bother with uh, any price drops or 4060 super stuff. Seems like it's just these three mid range products. And well, the final thing to discuss is they may be more aggressively priced than you might expect. It sounds like worst case scenario, the 4070 super would be like 700, the 4070 Ti super would be 900 or maybe 1,000, and then the 4080 Super will be the same price of the 4080 right now at 1,200, but apparently they are also considering just dropping these in at their predecessor's price points. 4070 Super for 600, 4080, or 4070 Ti Super for 800, and then 4080 Super for 1,000, which is more aggressive than I'm suspecting most people were expecting NVIDIA to be with these products, but it shows that NVIDIA is worried about losing mid-range market share right now, Furthermore, I would suspect that they would do this in case AI falls apart or the, an AI bubble bursts mm-hmm. so they can direct all of their stock to actually competitively priced graphics cards in the mid-range to high M. And the main conclusion of all of this is then, when you look at the 4090 price increases going on over the holiday season, and the fact that, I mean, think about it. If NVIDIA raises performance between the 4080 and 4070 Super, I mean, and 4080 Super, like if they go from... Like a like a ten to fifteen percent performance increase while dropping per price by twenty percent, you know, twelve hundred to one thousand. That's like a thirty to forty percent price performance increase for what the forty eighty super would be over the forty eighty. And because of that, I have to say, if you want a seventy nine hundred XTX for below nine hundred or a seventy nine hundred XT for below eight hundred, I don't think that's going to age badly. You're going to get you know, 20 and 24 gigabyte cards that will be still competitive with whatever pricing NVIDIA throws out next year. But if you need to buy Lovelace, or I'm sorry, if you insist on only buying Lovelace (laughs) over RDNA 3, do not buy it right now. Prices are up, and they're about to do a seismic change in price to performance, or at least they might. And don't be the person that bought a $1,200 4080 right before the $1,000 4080 super launch is what I would suggest to everybody here. Um, So yeah, what did you think about this? I would say if the the less aggressive pricing, if AMD just formalizes their the street pricing, maybe with a little bit of a drop in price uh, from what you typically see, I think AMD would still be the way to go with most of these cards, uh, like versus the seventy nine hundred XT and the seventy nine hundred XTX versus any of these three super cards. But I don't know if they drop it to the more aggressive. If Nvidia goes with the more aggressive pricing, I. I think that's honestly pretty compelling, like something stronger than a 4080 for a thousand versus a 7900 XTX for 900. Eh, that's a more dealer's choice. Get whichever one you want and eh, maybe go for the 4080. I mean, sure, it has less RAM. I mean, 4080 Super, I should say. Sure, it has less RAM, but it has the features from NVIDIA. And I don't know, presumably it would be like, what, 10 percent like if it's 10 percent stronger than a 4080 and that's slightly better raster even than the 7900 xtx so i don't know the more aggressive pricing seems like they're actually trying to challenge amd's price performance to some extent whereas the less aggressive pricing i think it's more or less just we think we can still maintain dominance while having Still worse, but not as bad as it previously was price performance. Yeah. Um, And, you know, just so everybody knows, I I remember if I said this in the video, but like, 
I distinctly asked, really, you might not only make it and doing the math here, I, I would suggest that it seems like it's it seems like the 4080 Super is highly likely. And, and I just got feedback from a contact right now while we're talking, Dan, that yes, the 4080 Super full 8103, 24 gigabit per second memory. This is the golden samples that I would suggest that places it pretty firmly at eight to 12 percent better than the 4080. So 10% better. Okay. You know, I, I also asked like, really, you, you're going to make a better and then charge a thousand. And the person told me, hell yeah, let's go toe to toe with the 7,900 XDX finally. And that was a pretty firm. Yeah, this might happen. Now with the 4070 Ti super, the 4070 super, I don't know. I would almost suggest what they would do with that is discontinue the old 40. Well, maybe not the old 4070, but at least the old 4070 Ti maybe then price it at 850 and 650 so they can say well if you bought it before it's actually 50 dollars more now to try to make people feel a little less burned but you know I, I that's kind of what i'm expecting though like 850 and 650 for those and then a thousand dollars for the 4080 or yeah uh, yeah certainly not more than 1200 yeah i i mean i just think with that and, and amd's and nvidia having uh, slightly more software features i think that does put them in a position where they might be i think they're probably a better option than amd at those price points even if it's like 650 and 850 or something mm-hmm. now if that comes with a discontinuation of something like the 4070 where it, it, that's currently i think selling for mostly for 550 that would be a bit of a loss because I don't think they need to do that though. I think they can the fi- the forty seventy is really f- disabled, so I think they could just mm-hmm. keep selling that for five fifty or maybe even let it go to five hundred or five thirty to pick up in sales against the seventy eight hundred XT. And then I think you could still just have a lineup that's like five fifty, six fifty, eight fifty, a thousand instead of right now, which is almost six hundred, eight hundred, twelve hundred. Like I think that there's still room to do that, and you have to remember yeah. that. Uh, they can just discontinue these old models and like use them for other things, you know, like they can use the perfect 4070 Ti yields for like trickling out a little bit of that here and there and just sending them to data center or something for, I believe that uh, they've, they've got other products or to laptop as well. Yeah. And, and if the 4070 Ti ended up getting discontinued or soft discontinued or, <laughs> or unofficially discontinued, I should say, I don't think that would be a huge loss. I think the 4070 where it's currently at isn't bad though so i i I don't think that would be good if they discontinue that but like you said they need to disable them and they need to do something with the disabled uh dies well let me say this too um we'll get to this in the wrap-up but uh the 7900M, we have at least one first benchmark out. It seems to beat the 4080 laptop chip on average and by single digits. Well, think about it. the 4080 mm-hmm. laptop chip is a slightly disabled 4070Ti. Might I suggest that all NVIDIA is going to do is launch a 4080 Super laptop that's just the full mm-hmm. die now for laptop and then take the yields they were using for 4070 laptops I'm sorry, for 4080 laptops, which now they'll have extra because yields are improving and just say, yeah, now that's the 4070 super (laughs) on desktop or something, you know, like that. I I would almost wonder if that's what they would do is just swap that. So they have the stronger thing in laptop (laughs) that they need. And then they have the cheaper thing in desktop now. And then, you know, you're done. You can keep selling the 4070 for 550. It's fine. Uh, Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's no there's no rule that I know of that they can't just shift dies around (laughs) between laptop and uh 
desktop if it makes more sense to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And, and again, just yields have improved, so they probably have more space to do that in both departments now. So I, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the final thing to bring up about this just is, uh, I mean, do you think if NVIDIA goes the full Monty, you know, a thousand, let's say even just 800 and 600 as well, and then drops the price on the 4070 to 500, I think that's the most they would do. Like, let's say they do that. Uh, do you think AMD is screwed or do you think if the 4070 became the same price as the 7800 XT, do you think, I, from what I hear, they can't even keep the 7800 XT in stock for any amount of time. It's selling crazy well. Do you think it could still keep selling well? And do you think there's, do you think AMD has to do more than just cement street pricing? Because think about what I'm saying here. If they move something, and from what I've heard, by the way, today, just so everyone knows, it kind of, to me, sounds like the 4070 Ti Super will be mm, maybe a solid 10% weaker than the 4080 or something. That would still place it a solid 10 to 15% stronger than the 7900 XT. If they price that at 800, I mean, doesn't AMD have to drop the price on the 7900 XT if they want it to keep selling well, or do you think they don't have to? Um, I think if at $1,000 versus $900 for the XTX, I think that's relatively competitive still, but I think below that AMD would need to mm-hmm. redo their line. Well, not redo their lineup, redo their pricing because no, I, I, I don't think a 7800 XT should command the same price as a, a as a 4070. So if they, if a, uh, Nvidia dropped the 4070 all the way to $500, I think AMD might need to, I don't know, chop their prices by like, Fifty dollars for like the seventy eight hundred XT and and the well. Let me ask you though: the seventy eight hundred XT has four sixteen gigabytes instead of twelve, and in raster, it's about the same, if not slightly better. You you think if they were the same price, and some a friend asked you, "Hey, five hundred dollar forty seventy twelve gigabyte, five hundred dollar seventy eight hundred XT sixteen gigabyte," you would say, "Hey, get the forty seventy." I I mean, I think so. I I I. I it is more efficient, to be fair. It does have better ray tracing that you can't use in some games because there's not enough RAM for it, but... Yeah, I mean, the 12 gigabytes is borderline an issue amount of RAM, and I'm I'm not sure going into the future how big of a problem twelve it will be if you have 12 gigabytes. Right now, it's not really a problem, but it will be in the future. So depending on how long you're keeping it, I guess, <laughs> might be the determining factor on which one you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would definitely say if the 4070 Ti Super 16 gigabyte, God, this name's really long. If that's $800, um, and I would assume it would be 10 to 15% stronger than a 7900 XT 20 gigabyte, do you think that, how cheap do you, I assume you think if they were the same price, you would definitely recommend the 4070 Ti Super, right? Yeah. But like, would 750 make you recommend the 7900 XT? Do you actually think it has to go all the way down to 700? Uh, I, I'm that might be 700. I, I I don't think I don't think the 20 versus 16 gigabytes of RAM is that too far, far of a gulf at, at that point to say to go with the 7900 XT instead. If it was 700, but not 750, pay 50 yeah. bucks for yeah, yeah. I think I agree. So we'll have to see uh, what happens here, but. Uh, I think I think there's room for AMD to breathe, but there's definitely evidence here that NVIDIA is considering taking this very seriously next year. Um, yeah. 
Okay, well, let us now move on to the final wrap-up. These are, of course, these stories that we didn't think deserved a full story, but definitely uh, deserve mentioning. We've already talked about the 7900M beating the 4080, so I don't think we need to get into that. But again, I don't have much to say about it. I just think it's kind of funny. The uh, A800 is now being sold outside of China, and it's just interesting. (laughs) NVIDIA announced all of these China-only models for AI cards that overnight they were like, guess they're not China only. <laughs> well, uh, they don't really have that much of an option. Yeah. Point, so um, here's an interesting one. AMD finally, finally acknowledges that they have little Phoenix. This has been a very bizarre situation where we know little Phoenix exists. We've even seen some models on AMD's specs sheets, like on the website, show a smaller die size than the rest of Phoenix. And yet they just pretend it's not its own thing. They just keep saying Phoenix. Well, now they've they've fully acknowledged Phoenix is out there, and they actually put out some pretty uh, snarky slides here, uh, showing <laughs> basically dissing Intel, saying we have the same IPC for all cores, same cache, no extra tasks required. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if you had any thoughts on this. No, I'm confused on why it took them so long to actually like talk about it, but. Uh, hopefully it goes on things. I don't know. <laughs> That's always the thing with AMD is it takes forever for their APUs to actually end up in products. Well, I think they are already in it though. Just not a lot of them. They're, like, they're not... in Z ones, like, but oh, not the okay. Z one extreme. Like oh, it's yeah, pretty obvious. The Z one is uh is little, little Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the only other thing I'd bring up is you can say it's snarky if you want, but I mean, it is true, and I do feel like I have to keep reminding people, C cores are not little cores. They're still just big cores. And all AMD is doing is optimizing how many cores in a thermal size they can really get away with boosting high. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Th- I think some people have said, should they call out how many are C cores or not? And I'm sure you can find it online if you look hard enough in the specs, but as long as when they say they have six cores, they are boosting... The base clock they show is what all cores can hit. I don't see why they really need to say anything because they're big cores, you know? Yeah, I don't know if they would prefer. Uh, As long as all cores hit the advertised base clock. But if they do, I don't see why they need to say anything else besides that. If they all hit the advertised base clock and then they say, like, however many non-C cores get will reach this boost clock, that's I'm guessing how they would advertise it. Mm -hmm. Well, but right now we already know that they don't all hit peak boost clock at the same time anyway so from amd's perspective you know they might say have you seen what intel's boost clocks are they don't uh, have to tell you anything so um i I guess i have a link here i don't know that i have much to say hence again why it's a wrap-up discussion but amd seems to be really sparsely releasing uh driver updates for vega and polaris at this point um i've seen some people claim that means they're about to discontinue them but i don't know they're from what I've seen on their roadmaps, Barcello, which is rebranded, rebranded, I believe, uh, Saison, they're going to sell that into, let me look at this, my roadmap again, just so I remember here. They, I guess Barcello ends in 2024, actually. Maybe that's when they'll stop selling it as like a main part of their APU lineup. So I don't know. I don't think they're going to disable Vega and Polaris support until that happens. I think mm-hmm. you're just going to see like maybe one driver update, maybe two a year or something and it's gonna probably stop after 2025 though oh i I mean at that point how old will polaris be (laughs) i think for the rx 480 and 580 argument there's no room for 
complaining here. This thing's going to end up being about a decade old by the time they stop supporting it with new drivers. And even then, you have to remember, I've used, I have a Fermi GTX 580 over there, and it still runs most games I try to run without any new drivers for a very long time. And that's because they've basically done what they can to optimize it. There's an argument there that they don't really need to do per game optimizations that much anymore after a decade of honing in on how yeah. games should run your graphics card. The only thing I would say, though, Dan, is if they sell Barcello with Vega through 2024, I think that's screwed up if that doesn't get new driver updates a year well, after it, it's been out. It's, the Polaris isn't the issue. It's their APUs that still use it. Well, it, yeah, if they're if they're launching an APU with the, that architecture in with Vega in 2024, I mean, I think they need to give it at least, least semi-continuous support for like two years. <laughs> because I, I don't think when you buy a new product, you're expecting that it's almost at legacy or discontinued. It, it, mm-hmm. it, they should continue supporting that. Now, when it's like the 580, which do they? They don't still manufacture new 580s, do they? And I, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, if they my did. understanding is they. But, I believe everyone listening here. I believe they have. They're done doing the like global foundries, by the way, runs of Polaris, but they have warehouses where the dyes themselves are stockpiled. And when you see, you know, you used to see some runs during the recent shortages of Polaris. um, And now there seems like a lot of like no name or companies you've never heard of it from Asia making 580s and selling them for like 80 to 100 bucks on Amazon still. My understanding is they're just pulling from those stockpiles and building new boards for them. So mm-hmm. they're not ordering more from uh, Global Foundries anymore, I don't think. I, I mean, I do think that there's an argument, though, if they're still putting it in new products. There, there's, I agree. It, it demands some level of support. They still. should keep supporting it through 27, mm-hmm. I think, at least. Yeah. Now, if you're like, it, it, be, the reason I asked that question, though, is I say it's should like, not will people. I'm yeah. saying my opinion is it comes off. I had a friend who had a, uh, I think it was steamroller or excavator APU plus seven plus some M AMD. Pro. This was, of course, like five, six years ago. But I remember like two years, not even two years after he got it, he had trouble updating drivers anymore because they didn't support the APU's graphics card. For some reason, the laptop was an MSI one made you download one driver stack for both a- the APU and the GPU, but the APU wasn't supported anymore like a year after he got it or something, and then that yeah, caused a bad. ton of headaches for him. And I just would hope AMD doesn't do that again because that's pretty messed up. Yeah. It, it, I, yeah, that's... If it was all used parts at this point, it's like, you know what you're getting into when you buy like an eight-year-old used part, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. But if they're still okay. selling they, new, we would hope they, they don't need do to support it, so... Um, all right. DLSS officially is coming to Starfield. I really don't know how much I have to say about this, but it's been a long time coming. Of course, this channel caught flack for saying no Starfield will get DLSS. There is no contract stopping it. And now again, I just, there it is. It's coming to Starfield guys. There was no contract. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really fun that now, even when a game that's sponsored by AMD gets DLSS support, that's somehow evidence that they're hiding DLSS support. Uh, it's classic uh, conspiracy theory. It's where even evidence against your conspiracy becomes supporting evidence. That means it's a conspiracy theory. 
at that yep. point. <laughs> um, NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wang, AI Bubble, writes in and says, why is AMD insisting on ruining gamers' experience for RTX by forcing Ubisoft to use DLSS 2 instead of DLSS 3 or 3.5 and Avatar Frontiers of Pandora? Certainly that wasn't just a decision the dev made, right? <laughs> yes, the beta fe- they sh- it should have the beta feature of DLSS 3.5, or hell, even alpha, depending on how you look at it. No, but I, I like the joke here made by this patron of like, I know everything that isn't perfect now must be AMD's fault for some reason. I don't know what's you know, but I don't want to get into that really anymore. I that couldn't AMD it's killed a pretty my dog shame. Time. What AMD killed my dog, Tom? That's right. I mean, at a certain point, you'd think that's what people th- think. I mean, with the way they report on some of this stuff, with zero vet cons- supporting evidence, but. Um, all right, so this one here didn't quite get a main story because I reached out to a few people. Some of them didn't really have a lot of details they could verify. And at a minimum, from what I was told from some of my contacts, this is something that won't make a big difference for at least a couple of years. But AMD is allegedly partnering with Qualcomm and Samsung for the next edition of FSR. And it's because they want their smartphone and I supposedly laptop SOCs to be able to use the best version of upscaling they can, and they just want to support FSR further. I think this is a pretty big deal potentially a few years from now. Again, I'm told this won't really change anything in the short term, but having Qualcomm and Samsung co-developing FSR with AMD, that's the type of thing you want. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty big. Qualcomm is, we don't talk about them much on the podcast, but Qualcomm's one of the biggest uh, chip makers in the world. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a big deal. Well, and, you know, think about, I, again, I don't think this really changes anything that much for NVIDIA DLSS. It's to the point where it's so good and NVIDIA has proven they will spend the money that they're just going to pay to have DLSS in a bunch of games. And it's going mm-hmm. to be its own feature, no matter if there's an open source option. So I don't think this really changes much for DLSS. For XE Super Sampling, though, you now have AMD making FSR that works on the consoles that also works on Samsung and Qualcomm devices. Who is going... I, I mean, look, Intel is going to have to spend for them to put XC Super Sampling in every game then, because if consoles, smartphones, tablets, AMD desktop and laptops, and all of AMD's APUs, by the way, use FSR, that that is going to make it the non-DLSS standard, though. And DLSS is just there as its own perk, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of turn turn FSR into the uh, default, almost. Um. All right, and then Samsung's increasing NAND prices. From some people I talked talk to, it kind of seemed like this is just a cyclical thing, but kind of a PSA here. Like I've said, the market's mostly bottomed, and I don't think things are going to be that much cheaper moving forward outside of, again, specific things like Super forcing down NVIDIA prices. But if you want a new SSD, I just got a two terabyte. Uh, it was on a sale. I, I, got a, I think it was yeah a two terabyte Gen 4 SSD that's like 6.6 gigabytes per second for like 97 bucks. So yeah. now's a good time to buy a new S- SSD, and I think they're only going to get more expensive. Yeah, I um, mean, I might buy, it's pushing me to think maybe I should get another one. But we'll you see. have a free NVMe slot? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I'd, I'd consider that. Um, and, you know, Gen 5 NVMEs aren't that bad priced, badly priced compared to a year ago. Um, they're not the cheapest, but they're they're worth looking at now if you want a, the fastest SSD as your boot drive. But additionally, I have to say Gen 3 and not the top Gen 4, not like the 7.3, 7.5 gigabyte per second ones, but ones over 6.5 gigabytes per second, 
they're way cheaper now. And the Gen 3 SSDs that max out Gen 3, which is still probably going to be fast enough for most games for the foreseeable future. I mean, the, the, those ones are getting pretty bargain bin, like better than almost better than hard drive pricing per gigabyte sometimes. So I would recommend that to people as well. If you like see the latest Samsung Gen 5 and you're like, well, that doesn't seem that cheap. Remember the 90% to maxing out Gen 4 is like half the price it was a year ago or something or more. <laughs> Maybe a third the price. It's crazy. Um, all right. In another story here in the wrap-up, we have that there was a tatterdown of the PlayStation 5 Slim. I really don't have a whole lot to say about this. Uh, really the biggest takeaway, which is something I think we basically already knew, uh, it, it still has 6 nanometer silicon. It's using the same silicon for the PS5 Slim that they mm-hmm. were using a year ago. They just finally got around to making a better chassis. Um, and then let me get to the final thing in the wrap-up here, which almost could have been argued to be its own story. Boy, are there a lot of issues around Modern Warfare 3. <laughs> yeah, Apparently I the mean- campaign's getting horribly bad reviews. And I saw that... Oof. I mean, I guess when you boot up an Xbox, not when you, because when I first saw this headline, I just, my brain said, oh, I assume when you boot up Modern Warfare 2 now or any Call of Duty, they try to spam you with Modern Warfare 3. No, they just spam you with Modern Warfare 3 when you turn on an Xbox now. That's pretty screwed up. Yeah, it is. Uh, A lot of people are pissed off about it. It prompts you to immediately buy it and the options to exit to boot to your device are grayed out so it's hard to see harder to see them and you can buy a you can buy modern warfare 3 by pressing a three times uh from from booting up your console and like i saw people online like say that last part again you uh i read this if you press a three times you've bought modern warfare 3 Oh my god. So if you're just turning on your console and you try to spam past it, it makes you buy it? Basically. I mean, I'm sure you can get a refund if you do that on accident, but like I'm sure. There are people online like asking, do they think this is going to convince me to buy it? And it's like, that's part of it. Part of it is I they're hoping you're gonna buy it on accident. Because that's 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 what all of this BS always is. Mm-hmm. And also, Tom, you'll be happy to hear uh guess how big the install size is. I think I saw it was like around 250 gigabytes or something. 200, and you have to install Modern Warfare 2 to install Modern Warfare 3 because the central hub for the game is just Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, I was just Googling around, by the way. I'm seeing the IGN campaign score is a 4 out of 10, which again, I'm not saying you should swear by reviewers like they're gospel. I am saying that's crazy low. Yeah, and <laughs> that's not good. At least... Typically, rule of thumb is if everyone's saying bad things, it's probably not perfect. You know, there's rumors, uh, or, and I don't know the veracity or really much of the backstory on this, but what I've heard is, uh, or what I've read at least once, is that this was going to be a, an expansion with a new campaign, and then they decided to just make it a full game, like a year or, or whatever, after Modern Warfare 2. But Modern Warfare 2 already two years old. No, it's only one. It's only one. So yeah, that would kind of explain why it came out a year later, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's confusing to me because Modern Warfare 2... uh, Okay, so yeah, Sledgehammer's developing this one because the Modern Warfare games Mm. have typically been made by Infinity Ward. But I don't think... I think Infinity Ward's made all of them up till this point. I don't know. Mm -hmm. This this doesn't sound good to me. 
That's all. No. Uh, looks like a pass for us. <laughs> and we like the previous modern warfares, the previous new modern warfares, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought we had to talk about that a bit. All right. Let us now get to the final reader mails. Quick Jumper writes in and he says, Hey, Tom and Dan, in our line of work, I use AI to classify different types of toxic comments on social media. LLMs have been game changers in this area as well as in other areas. Therefore, I don't think the AI is overhyped. It's real. It, well, it's, again, Quick Jumper, you have to understand when I say overhyped, Google is still here. Yahoo is still here. Pets.com isn't. <laughs> like, I don't know if, like, and and actually, to back up what I, my point is, he goes on to say, on a hardware level, I think he, sa- he says, on the software level, improvements are great. On the hardware level, the story is different. I'm training models on very big data sets, but I am very content with a 3090. I think most of the businesses never really worked with AI and are overestimating how much cards they will need. But after the train, they, they train the models, they realistically won't need as much performance as they thought. It's a messy period, but once businesses realize they don't need that much hardware, they will be a lot less willing to buy overpriced cards. Also, if AMD offers very good com- competition to CUDA, then it's game over, I think. NVIDIA should really think about that. My question for Tom, what is the current situation on the market? You mentioned demand. Right, so you said AI. You have to understand. The, the, right. When I say overhyped, and I don't even know that I've really said it that way. I'd say it's a bubble. Over, not no hype. There should be hype. But you, like, let's put it this way. If Lovelace managed to triple Ampere performance, but everyone thought it would 6X it, that means it was overhyped, even though it 3X'd it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what overhyped means. And you're giving an example here where you're like, I don't think we need these expensive cards. And then, yes, I've already talked about demand softening. Well, exactly. Demand is softening because I think a lot of companies are realizing they don't need a 1,000 H100s. And some of them are probably realizing they don't need to use it for half of their stuff anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, at a certain point, it's just going to not be needed. It's just not going to be needed. And there's going to be a bunch of companies that develop around or developed around using these uh, hardware that go defunct because they didn't figure out a way to actually monetize their product. Uh, Techno writes in and says, do you believe Intel graphics is in a much more untenable position than it was a year ago when you initially said Intel's GPU division has been killed? Well, it was killed. I didn't just say it. But uh, and then now they're saying it is unkilled. So technically, I've already been right by my in my opinion, because they did and AXG to and then fire all the people in charge. But um, would you, I think the better way to phrase this techno would be is Intel graphics. Uh, do you have more piss, pessimism around Intel graphics now or less compared to a year ago? What would you say, Dan? I, it's a weird mix. I, I would kind of say less. I, I, it's weird. It, it seems like their iGPUs are having problems uh, meeting to getting to the place where they're supposed to be to actually be put in the products they were initially supposed to be put into. So from that perspective, it doesn't seem like they're doing well by any means. And the development of battle mage doesn't seem like it's doing that seems to be on about the track that we initially said it was. So I I actually spoke to someone about this today that said it's, it's people are not optimistic about battle mage inside Intel right now. Yeah, so, I mean, from that perspective, no, I, I don't think they're in a better place now, um, and they seem to 
be having a hard time even keeping their integrated up to snuff at this point. So, mm-hmm. eh. well, I, 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 like to be honest, I wish this question and I'm sure it will be again, would have been asked about a month and a half from now. I want to see <laughs> launch reviews for Meteor Lake and see if it boots everything up perfectly. And, you know, theoretically, it should be 20, maybe 30% stronger than Phoenix graphics. Is it in every yeah. game? Because my A770 here, it doesn't crash anymore from what I've tested. I, I can't say I've done like a 20, you know, a, a 24-7 stability test, but at least I didn't run into issues when I used it for a few hours, which is, Far cry from what it used to be just a couple months ago. But I will say, well, in some games, yeah, it got close to a 3070. There were games, most like a third of games, it performs like a 3050. Like, and so what I'm gonna want to see with Meteor Lake is I don't want to see its time spy score. I don't want to see if, you know, I'm trying to think of a game where it overperformed. I think Bannerlord actually was one of them. But like I don't want to see one game where it performs how it's supposed to i want to see do a third of games does it actually lose to rembrandt like because if that happens its stability is there but its performance walkiness i'm not like alchemist plus is in media like this is a new generation of graphics to it or architecture so did they fix the bottlenecks is it balanced now if it's not i still have the same reservations i've had yeah, and, and I don't know, maybe this is a question that needs to just be re-asked every three months right. or something because they, eh, it, it, that seems to be the pace that Intel has giving us update, with updates uh, about how their graphics in general are doing, whether that be iGPUs or their dedicated GPUs. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I mean, hopefully in the future, the... Our, our, our prognosis is better than it is right now, but there's no evidence that their graphics are doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess the final thing I would then say, just to directly answer his question, I don't know. Some people I talked to today kind of thought that Battle Mage was going to end up the same as Alchemist, minus one change, which is to say, when they say the same as Alchemist, launching so late, look, 2023 is over. Where's Battle Mage? Where's the Alchemist Plus desktop lineup? It's not coming out, guys. Where is it? You know, if it ends up coming out end of 2024 or 2025, it's going to be the same as Alchemist. You have a product that's really launching a year after it should have against competition that's a gen ahead of you with that you can't possibly price in a profitable way and, you know, has a weird launch. Like, that's kind of what they still expect. Like, I haven't heard that much optimism about its performance relative to the competition nor that it will launch in time to compete with what it should be which is lovelace and rdna3 not rdna4 and blackwell but i do hear the drivers might work at launch it's just how do do i am i more or less optimistic right because now i think the drivers may get there but if the drivers get there and they're selling what should be a 4080 competitor as a 4070 competitor a year or two after the 4070 came out i don't possibly see how they could sell that profitably i've already got people i'm talking to right now wondering if it will be easy like like nvidia is getting pretty aggressive with the margins it seems on the 4070 ti super right so they're getting aggressive they're making a profit but they're getting aggressive at like let's say 800 dollars with this thing if intel makes a battle mage die that's cost the same to make is that i don't know how they could possibly profit at 500 and so it's funny how like oh i'm more optimistic about the drivers but i don't know that the numbers work that they can make launch this and make money. So no, it doesn't make how sense. would you define that more or less optimistic? 
I'd say average is the same, but I'm more optimistic about some things, which is to say if they just launch low end and keep working on their APU stuff, maybe they'll get into a place where their drivers are stable enough that they can make a push in four years from now. I guess from that perspective, I'm more optimistic, but I don't see how they can afford to launch another loss leader. They, they can't, you know? Well, yeah, there's just, we've talked about that. There's just, Intel is not in a position where they can do loss leaders to force their way into a market. Mm-hmm. No, they're, they're, they're like 0% like margin in data center. Their client mar- margins aren't great. It, they they can't afford to do this anymore. And they could before, but now they've run out of money. So again, about the same, more optimistic that ARC could live on is something that eventually comes back. Less optimistic that they can afford to be aggressive next year, which is what mm-hmm. I think people are really want. Um, Hollow Knight writes in and he says, just a thought, let's assume the worst case scenario for Intel graphics, that it's completely shut down. Well, they're always going to have some graphics division for APUs. And so like, no, like they'll call it something else. It would just not really be the same as what it used to be. But he goes, so they maybe work with NVIDIA to get NVIDIA tiles into their APUs. This actually could be a major deal breaker for massive business contracts because NVIDIA requires an email to access NVIDIA features. This technically is only for GeForce experience, but it still may be a major problem for some companies, don't you think? Even on my governmental laptop, I have access to all Intel graphics tech that my iGPU has, no login required. Uh, well, first of all, I think NVIDIA would just allow businesses to not need it, number one. Number two, yeah. remember Intel with the Vega GHGL? They used an Intel driver stack for the Radeon tile. So, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what they would do again if they used an NVIDIA tile, and that completely sidesteps the entire issue. Yeah, or, or once again, it, it, NVIDIA would If that's a deal breaker, an yeah. Email address, if in those circumstances. <laughs> and it's a funny thing. I've heard people at NVIDIA say that they don't trust working with Intel right now while they have a graphics division that's trying to function. But they will be gung-ho with salesmen going over to Intel if they kill AXG. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll want to be in their APUs. We already have plans for a tile variance of upcoming architectures, should that happen. But it's not going to happen unless we're sure they won't just be stealing our information to make their own cards. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure they would love. <laughs> yeah. So Carmen Cry writes in with the final Raider Mail. He says, read the Anti-Lag Plus bands, which of course is... Anti-lag plus got you banned from a bunch of competitive online games uh, with uh, the latest drivers or one of the latest drivers. He says, well, now high DPI mice are getting people banned as well in these games out of nowhere. Maybe AMD still messed up, but can we not forget that most anti-cheat softwares are pure shit, especially VAC? I think that's a fair point, but I did talk to someone else today about this and everyone I talk to still thinks it's an insane blunder that AMD let this happen. Uh, Yes, we can admit that there's been ban issues before. There were DRM issues with little cores on Alder Lake for a bit. But this is still a fundamental mistake here. It's a feature that's supposed to be for esports gamers and it got them banned. That's a mistake by AMD. We can acknowledge it's... I guess not all their fault, but the buck has to stop somewhere. And it's like, well, do you want to be right or do you want to win? And AMD's not winning if they complain that what they did got their people banned. So, yeah, I mean, when one of your, <laughs> you would think AMD would put more effort into, at a minimum, navigating around the shitty software that is FAC or most anti lag software. I mean, not anti lag, most anti cheat softwares. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. It, it, which you think they would have caught in testing that it's getting accounts banned. And mm-hmm. they clearly didn't. 
Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this rather arduous episode for us to record. Uh, but, you know, sometimes that just happens. If all things go well, you'll not even tell anything went wrong on our end a couple times. But, you know, it did. But we made sure, the sh- you know, Dan, the show must go on. And we made sure it went on, even if we wasted 30 more minutes at least recording this than we wanted to late at yes. night. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, Moulin Rouge, Tom, the show must go on. My internet connection is like uh, Nicole Kidman's tuberculosis in that movie. I can't think of a better way to compare <laughs> this, nor a better way to end this episode than bringing that up. Uh, Moulin Rouge, Nicole Kidman dying of tuberculosis. Well, somehow not getting her partner sick with it. I don't know. But um, yep, so that's going to do it for this episode of Broken Silicon. Unlike tuberculosis, subscribing will not kill you. So please subscribe to the Moore's Laws at YouTube channel. You know, subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Give us reviews there. And please tell your friends about us and join the Patreon. We actually just had a, I mean, it's a full length episode, basically a bonus podcast slash video of why the PC gaming renaissance happened and then fell apart or ended, should we say. And that's there for just $2 a month. You'll get access to that bonus one and a half hour video looking at that. And then hundreds of other bonus pieces of content that never have ads. Please support us on Patreon there. We can't do this without our patrons. And otherwise, yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening and have a good week, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean-Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Kerry Nosugad as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawisdead.com on the about slash support page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Kerry no Sugata as well. You can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law's Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content truly possible. Every month, and really every day, depending on who you're talking about, me, Gerard, Dan, and John Philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out. Don't get us wrong. We love our sponsors, but we love directly working for you, our fans, much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guests questions, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. 
I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early, ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes in Loose Ends live streams ahead of the recording, and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z podcasts, in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And hey, if you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it. the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Foles, Z Jits, Daniel D, Ian Clifford, Aaron Close, Jan Runner, Daniel High, Jeezy Ziggy, Brian Riggleman, MJV1, Sam Miller, Deke, SNES Chalmers, Nicholas Buckner, Jim Ferriera, Valcom Alev, Jensen Wang, Andrew S, Gregory S. Acker, Sarcastro, Evan Dingleheart, Forum.com, Chris Rich, Greg Ronchek, 3DS Boy 08, Albuma, Compressed Earth Blocks, Shredbird, Dr. Forbin, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan, Blank, Frederick, Holden Mobley, Jake223, Jake Martin, Sammy Malas, Silicky, Jordan Simkovic, Stefan Hart, Julian leaked mead and pork the boss haas tim rob penta wenta travis gooding stefan mads zutsu taylor stefan coates roger davies michael mcgee greg patrick Gro, amiable chief tommy mark mitchell i should mark Raidmaker, james anderson cole attic judson and chrysantine colin tadars the eternal dreamers cameron wesley sager henry shang neithra zinc michelle bell d31337 antics hexapuma toka original ari teak autumn jackson miller jsmmh gaming since reagan jeff sedler loophole 35 winstar james i raider cory leonard little germany shea milton pulse media dave schultz Melodic Warrior, Mac Daffy, Seven Dick, Chuck Glidden, Brett Jones, Austin Haggerty, Justin Bustle, I-7-11-700K, Jamie Witters, Jovet, Hardland, Slush Boss, C2, My Sharona, Earth Taurus, Jansen Angima, Joseph Kelly, Samuel Park, Keith Moore, Hemsa Gun, Tails2299, Meal Vale, Verga, John, Venti CZ, Sisyphus, The Forbidden Juice, Per Leakman, RB Racer, AC, Richard Cowgill, Win Wang, Michael Cozy, Dr. J Mad, Alex Vega, Free D, Brian Wright, John Swin, Joe LaMartina, Kiko Elbergun, Solarized 80, Thalo215, Matthew Marlowe, Raisin Biscuit, Rainick81982, Jeff Johnson, Rowan McKicky, Cornster671, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>